Our scripture for the day comes from the Gospel of Mark, uh, the first chapter. This is the very beginning of the story that Mark is telling, and uh, we're going to start reading from the 40th verse. Listen for the word of God. A leper came to Jesus, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But the man went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Dirty. When was the last time you felt really dirty? Like physically dirty? Maybe you've been outside on one of these hot, hot, hot days this week uh, and got drenched in sweat from mowing the lawn or moving dirt. Or have you ever had to crawl under your house or up into your attic searching for some unwanted guest like a squirrel or a raccoon or nesting rabbits? Or maybe you've had the pleasure in your life sometime of having to clean out a backed up sewer line or deal with a flooded basement. Think about that feeling of being totally covered in grime, sticky, dirty. And then going into your house and taking a long shower, just standing there and letting the water soak into every pore, maybe soaping up twice just to make sure all the gunk is gone, and then you step out and grab a fresh, clean towel, revived, renewed. In a moment like that, it feels so good to be clean. Dirty. Dirty. For the six years that I served as a pastor in Wichita, Kansas, my house was really near to a bike path that travels along the big Arkansas River. And yes, we call it the Arkansas River, not the Arkansas River. Right, Kansans? Okay, thank you. Well, from my driveway to the path was less than a mile, and if I went and rode all the way to the end of the path and back, it was a good 20-mile ride, and I did it often, three or four times a month, so I could avoid stoplights and city streets and such. But because that path follows the river, it goes underneath uh, several streets, uh, underneath several bridges, and there are places where there it is wide enough that the path not only becomes a place for bikers and joggers, but it also becomes a preferred sleeping spot for some of Wichita's homeless. And almost always when I would pedal past underneath those bridges on my really expensive road bike with its skinny tires and full carbon fiber frame, I would see the stuff that the homeless had left behind after spending the night there under the bridge. There would be blankets crumpled up in a pile. Or I would see some abandoned shoe or sock, sometimes a backpack or a plastic bag full of other belongings. And in the summertime, though, often I would ride that path really early in the morning to try and beat the heat of the day. And if I was up early enough, when I drove or rode by under those bridges, instead of seeing just the discarded piles of stuff, I would actually see the shape of bodies, people still asleep, their heads just barely peeking out from their sleeping bags or their blankets or whatever they were wrapped up in. 
people who had no better place to sleep that very night than under a bridge. And every time as I rode past and could see people still sleeping there, my heart would beat just a little bit harder in my chest. And every time I would wonder, what does it take to sleep on a hard concrete sidewalk with a noise of traffic going over your head? Every time I would wonder what the day held from them, where they probably had no place to wash off the dirt of the night, no place to comfortably rest, no place to really feel safe. Every time I rode past, I would wonder, but I never stopped to ask. Dirty. Homelessness has a particular smell. If you've ever worked in a soup kitchen or at an overnight shelter, you recognize it immediately. It's not any different than we would smell if we weren't able to shower regularly, if we couldn't afford deodorant, if we had no place to wash our clothes. It's just the smell of bodies and sweat and dust and grime and sometimes alcohol built up over days and days and days. But if you're living on the street, it's pretty impossible to hide that fact simply by the way that you smell. So the unhoused, people who have no place to live, they learn to operate on the margins. They find food where other people discard it. They find clothes where other people abandon them. They find community only among people also living on the margins. They're unwelcome to sit and eat and hang out in the places that we do because they can't dress right. Their hair isn't cut and combed and they don't smell good. So the unhoused are forced to the edges of the community. We're starting a new sermon series today, Be Made Well. And we're going to examine over the next few weeks a few stories, healing stories of Jesus that come to us from the Gospel of Mark. And we all know Jesus is a healer. We know that's one of the things that he did while he walked the earth. He healed bodies, but that's not all that he healed. Jesus also healed relationships, and he healed communities. For Jesus, being well, being healed, meant more than just being healed physically. His encounter with the leper in today's story is a prime example. Dirty. The homeless populations around us in cities big and small, those are about the best modern-day equivalent to leper colonies in the ancient Near East. Now, it's not completely clear to biblical scholars what exactly the Old Testament means by the word leprosy. It's not, it seems, not just limited to what we call leprosy today, which is also called Hansen's disease. The term seems to be a little broader to cover all kinds of skin diseases, anything that produced scales or inflammation or lesions. But leprosy, in whatever form it was, it was considered unsafe to the health and the purity of the committee. People wanted to keep their community safe. And they didn't have any doctors, right? They didn't have any doctors to diagnose and treat skin diseases. And so they couldn't quite tell which ones would spread and which ones wouldn't. And since there were no doctors, what did they do? They went to the priest. I'm really glad this is not a part of my job anymore. But they would go to the priest and they would say, uh, what do I need to do? Am I clean or am I unclean? Am I in or am I out of community life? Now, Leviticus 13 and 14 lays this all out, what a priest should do in the case of a skin disease. This is a little arcane, but just hang with me for a moment so we can get the picture here. The priest first would determine if the afflicted person has a skin problem, and if so, they would make them quarantine for seven days. At the end of the seven days, that priest might extend the quarantine for a second week, 
It sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? 14-day quarantine, a little too familiar to us. But uh, at the end of that 14 days, then the priest would decide either the person was clean or the person was leprous. And if they were leprous, the person had to tear their clothing and have disheveled hair, and they had to go and live alone or with other lepers. They were cast out from the village or the town for the health and safety of others. For the purity of the people as a whole, they were cast out from town. And not only were they forced to live alone, but whenever they encountered another person, just like Rebecca said in the children's sermon, they had to cover their lip and shout, unclean, unclean, to keep the other person away. In every way, they they had to say, I'm not safe. Stay away from me. Now, if a leper thought they were healed from their disease, they could go to be examined by the priest and undergo a cleansing ritual, and then they would bathe and shave and wash their clothes and hair and be able to come back to the community. I, though, have no idea how often that happened. I suspect that often those who were declared leprous were forced to live the rest of their lives alone, apart, separated from family and friends, unwelcome among the rest of the village and the town. Constantly reminded they were dangerous, they were impure, they were dirty. Now when we know just a little bit about lepers in the ancient Near East, it can help us see that when that leper dared to approach Jesus, he was doing something bold. The leper believed Jesus could heal him, even though Jesus was not a priest. Jesus couldn't declare the man clean, couldn't purify him, couldn't restore him back to the community, but the man believed that Jesus could help him, so he brashly approached Jesus. He knelt down before him, and he asked for help. And did you hear his ask is so tentative? He says, if you choose, if you choose, Jesus, you can make me clean. And Jesus helped him. Jesus said, I do choose. I do choose. And then he reached out and he touched the man. And he said, be made clean. And the man was cleansed of his leprosy. You know what it did, though? It made Jesus dirty. It was a big deal that Jesus was even talking to that leper, even there with him face to face. He put himself in jeopardy. But you know, if we read the story carefully, we notice that Jesus wasn't just talking to the man, right? In order to heal him, Jesus reaches out and touches him. He touches him, and when he does that, he makes himself unclean. He would have needed to have gone through a cleansing ritual in order to be welcomed back in the community. Now, Jesus doesn't always heal like this. Oftentimes, Jesus heals from a distance. Oftentimes, he does it with just a word. One time, Jesus is clear across town, and he says, be healed, and the man is healed. So Jesus did not have to touch the guy, but he did. In the story that we're going to talk about next week, when a paralyzed man is let down through the roof by his friends, Jesus just commands the man to get up and walk, and the way the story's told, it doesn't even seem like Jesus gets up from where he's sitting in order to make it happen. It just takes a word. But today, today Jesus reaches out and touches him. Why? Because he wanted to cross that invisible barrier that separated the leper from everyone else. Jesus wanted to break through that shield of protection that he was supposed to observe in order to help this man. And and I wonder, what do you imagine that looked like? Do you think Jesus just kind of stretched out his hand and sort of brushed his fingertips along the man's arm? Or did Jesus step toward the man and grab him by the shoulders and lift him up from his kneeling and say, I do choose, be made clean, looking him right in the eyes? 
However Jesus did it, he didn't just do it with that skin disease in mind. Because what Jesus does next reminds us that the, Jesus was thinking about the whole person. He tells the man to go to the priest. He says, offer your sacrifice, do all that we find in Leviticus, and go home. Jesus says, go back to your community. Get your clean bill of health. Return to your family. Return to your people. Be welcomed back. Be made well. Now, Mark doesn't tell us what that looks like, but can't we imagine the rejoicing that happened when that leper walked back into his house after so much time away? You know, we do know that there was so much joy that the leper did the one thing Jesus asked him not to do. Jesus told him, don't tell anybody about this, and the leper couldn't help himself. He was so overcome with joy. He told everybody, and it caused a big problem for Jesus. He became so famous that he couldn't move around like he wanted to. Jesus healed the man's disease, but he also restored him to his family and friends. He helped him come home. And it happened not just because of the miraculous power of Jesus, but also because Jesus wasn't afraid to touch him. He wasn't afraid to reach out to him. He wasn't afraid to love him. Jesus saw somebody who was dirty, declared dirty, and he reached out to help him. Now, maybe this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. To Jesus, there is no such thing as unclean. To Jesus, there is no such thing as unclean. And I think we know that, and I think we like it, and I think we're grateful to remember that Jesus doesn't draw barriers to exclude. We like knowing that Jesus won't cast anyone away, won't push someone out for being unclean, won't call them acceptable. We like knowing that about Jesus. We just have a really hard time following his lead. Dirty. Who is it that we call dirty today? We don't really have a problem with leprosy anymore. But who do we call dirty? Well, the homeless, for certain. We call them dirty, not just because they can't bathe regularly, but too often we extend that word to their character or their worth. They must have done something to deserve the state they're in. They must have screwed something up. There must be something wrong with them for them to be in this situation. Normal people have places to live. We tell ourselves all kinds of things about what they must have done and call them dirty as a way to dismiss them. But it's not just the homeless. The poor in general get labeled that way. Drug addicts, immigrants get called dirty. I suspect that some of the negative reaction to Black Lives Matter protesters this week has been to, in one way or another, call them unclean in order to devalue them or dismiss them. For sure, African Americans have been called dirty over and over again as a way to reinforce racial prejudice and support white supremacy. So as enlightened as we would like to think we are, we have to confess that we still call people dirty in all kinds of ways so we can set them aside and exclude them from community. Now I know we do it out of a sense of protection just like people in the Bible did. We want to keep our family and our friends safe. The problem is we do a really bad job of judging the threat. And so we draw boundaries far too high and far too wide. I remember this ridiculous moment that I saw this when I was living in Hutchinson, Kansas. One day I discovered there were new ATMs in my neighborhood at my neighborhood bank. And this was back in the day when we couldn't do all our banking by mobile, so actually people carried cash forever ago, but 
it used to happen. And uh, I went to go get some cash from the ATM, and I noticed that it was a new ATM, and I was delighted to discover that it was a talking ATM. It talked to me. When I put my card in, it, it uh, didn't just have instructions on the screen, it, it had voice commands also. Well, I used it for a few weeks, and then one day I went back to the ATM, and I noticed that the machine was silent. It stopped speaking. And I thought that was kind of weird. I happened to be in a book club with a woman who worked at the main bank, and the next time I saw her, I said, hey, I really like those new ATMs at the bank by my house, but I was bummed that it stopped talking to me. And she said, oh, we had to turn the voice commands off. The machines were made in Scotland, and so the voice had this lovely British accent. And my friend said they had way too many calls to the bank complaining about foreigners in the ATM and demanding that they only use Americans at the bank. Now, never mind there was not actually a person inside the ATM machine. I was just so sad to realize that in my community, People were so scared of the influence of people who didn't look or act or talk like them that they could not handle a British accent inside an ATM. They wanted to draw a line and exclude and separate. Simply the way a person talked was enough to call them dirty and push them outside the circle. As we hear this story of Jesus cleansing the leper, it's a moment for us to remember that being a follower of Jesus is to try and encounter the world the same way he did. It's an attempt to love like he loved, to live like he lived, to treat others the way he treated them. Now, we don't have miraculous powers to instantly heal those suffering around us, but we do have power to offer hope and welcome and healing of a sort to those on the margins, just like Jesus did. We have the power to help people be made well, being collaborators with Jesus in that work of bringing health and healing. We have the power to make space inside the community to invite people in instead of leave them on the outside. Now, it is not an easy thing to see someone that the world calls dirty and choose instead to see their humanity to see their vulnerability, to see their worth. But when we reach out and invite them in and welcome them and make a place for them, we have the power to change our life, to change their life, to change the community, even to change the world into one that looks just a little bit more like Jesus would have it look. This week, I want to invite you to keep your eyes open for places where people are being called unclean. Look for moments when people are being dismissed and devalued for places where people are being cast aside. It's not going to be as obvious to you as a leper forced to walk around with his hand over his lips saying, unclean, unclean. But when we look, we will find plenty of people that are being separated or cut off. And when we open our eyes and we can see and remember Jesus reaching out to touch that leper saying, I choose I choose for you to be made clean and whole. Then God can give us the strength to reach out as well, offering love and hospitality and grace in all the measure we can. May it be so. Amen.